Welcome back to the Sugar Freedom Show. I'm your host, Catherine Best Gordon. Today's episode is myth number two of the top three weight loss myths. And I'm going to dive right in again. Myth number two is move more. So let's recap a little bit. In my last podcast, I cited the Einstein rule. Solutions must always be as simple as possible, but not simpler. And it connects to the top three weight loss myths, which are one, eat less, two, move more, and three, no pain, no gain. All three of these myths violate the Einstein rule because they oversimplify the process of weight loss. In this podcast, I will address the recommendation to move more. We know that what gets measured gets managed. And once it was discovered that the calorie, which is just a measurement of how much energy it takes to raise the temperature of water one degree Fahrenheit, once that could be correlated with the quantity of the energy that we consume and expend from food and from moving, the calorie became the king of measurements for weight loss. And I do understand this. It became simple to measure calories. We figured out how many calories were in all of the foods that we ate. I remember having a book I had gone through. Um, I was an actor in Hollywood and I was trying to lose weight and I was working with a trainer. And one of the first things that she gave me was this book that had a list of all the calories and all the different foods that I was going to eat. And so it's this understanding once we got these lists of calories, we could figure out, okay, calories in, calories out. And so we managed our eating to eat less. And then we started to manage our movement to eat more. So this uh, trainer that I worked with, and her name was Madonna, but of course it wasn't that Madonna. What we were doing with our transformation is she did teach me about resistance training, and then she added cardio. And then I had this book where I was supposed to balance out my calories and try to eat less, which makes a lot of sense, but it wasn't effective. And so in this podcast, we're going to look a little bit deeply into why it wasn't effective. The calorie was king, and so you start trying to move more. But the calories in, calories out method of reducing weight relies on that simple measurement of energy. Once, once again, it is very simple. It's eat less, move more, lose weight. But it's too simple. It oversimplifies the process in the same way that the risk of eating less is that it can stimulate appetite leading to overeating. The risk of moving more is that it can cause excessive fatigue, discomfort, and the reluctance to move at all. As a matter of fact, I uh, bought a book, uh, Body by Gilda, way back when I was just 15 years old. My mom took me to the first exercise class that ever worked for me, Body Design by Gilda in Scottsdale, Arizona. And this is where I was introduced to this concept of that when you get too tired, you're supposed to rest, let your muscles and your body recover, and then get back into the training once you've recovered. And I bought this vintage book, Body by Gilda, and what Gilda called it was over fatiguing. And I think it's so interesting. So this was very popular in the late 70s and into the early 80s before uh, the Jane Fonda workout took off. And this is the first place that I'd ever heard this concept that you weren't just supposed to keep going when you're tired, you know, tough it out, keep going, do what we tell you, that it was once your muscles became fatigued, especially your abdominal muscles, especially your core, the idea was, okay, if it, if it drops and it starts to stick out, stop, rest, recover, 
put everything back in proper form, get back proper posture, and then move on. And it really changed everything. It was the first time that exercise began to have a really positive effect for me. So this idea is we've got two risks here. Eat less and move more, CICO, calories in, calories out. It can definitely backfire, just making you hungry, tired, hurt, and really lowering self-esteem in that you start wondering, why can't I do this? Why isn't this helping? Why isn't it working? So what can we do instead? Well, last week I shared the remedy for myth number one, which is don't eat less, eat better. And then the remedy for myth number two is don't move more, move better. I've taught literally thousands of fitness sessions. I did the math on how long I've been uh, a fitness trainer and a teacher and a choreographer and all the different classes that I taught. Thousands of sessions and the physical improvements that result from focusing on the quality of your movement, resting when quality drops, and then continuing when you can proceed with excellent form. It works wonders. I worked with you know clients at my studio and we would see I would do these 6 week transformation contests and it was amazing because not just the weight would come off and I would measure everybody beforehand the first thing is that we would do measurements it was the way the inches came off and it was really fascinating because I would measure both arms And what was amazing is very often the dominant arm that was able to lift more weight, sometimes that arm was actually smaller than the non-dominant arm. And my theory was, is that we were making those arms leaner and those thighs leaner. Yes, you know, sometimes if you're trying to grow your biceps or your triceps, you know, sometimes you do get a larger size, a larger measurement, but it's going to look better because it's going to be lean and have a great shape. So it was the best compliment, if I may share this, that I ever got for my training as well, because this connects with don't just move more, move better, was a client shared with me that my training, my program was the only one that she had been able to follow for a year without being injured. And this is of all the people I taught and all the weight they lost and all the inches they lost, that was the greatest compliment was having someone who had worked out for years and years and said, this is the only program that didn't hurt me. And I just makes me so proud. And so I hope that you will continue to, because the components of the program are resistance intervals, good flexibility, good work on balance, but always with this concept of if your form starts to break down, rest, recover, and then get back in when you can continue with excellent form. So there it is, the simple but not too simple concept of putting form before duration can be applied to any kind of exercise that you want to perform. Whether you love swimming or dancing or lifting or running or any of these, you can add this concept, keep putting form before duration. And if you get too tired and you lose form, that you stop and rest. So I want to share a link and I'll put a link in the show notes of a study that covers the kind of training that I'm doing now. And it's from uh, diabetesincontrol.com, the effects of resistance training on insulin sensitivity. And this is really insulin sensitivity is something I talk about a great deal in other podcasts, but it's just this understanding of what, how muscles 
are benefiting our entire body and they do they benefit insulin sensitivity and then uh, I'll sh- share a link to another article that talks about resistance training in particular can unlock the fat cells and make fatty acids available for burning for energy but very specifically I'm going to talk about the training that I'm doing right now in order to increase insulin sensitivity unlock unlock fat cells and get leaner and just over the last six weeks I've lost five pounds and a full percentage point in my body fat so here are the nine exercises I'm doing push-ups one set to failure for all of these suitcase squat and that's where you hold a dumbbell at either side and do squats and then dumbbell rows Romanian deadlifts with dumbbells, overhead press, a T-bend, bicep curl, calf raises while I'm holding the dumbbells, and then tricep extensions. And you will note that we go upper body, lower body, upper body, lower body. So we're alternating. And then I start with an upper body exercise because I've got five upper body exercises and four lower body exercises. I have found that we women tend to be stronger and focus a little bit more on the lower body, whereas the guys focus on the upper body. And so I kind of flip that where you've got five exercises for your upper body to balance out the body and then four for the lower body. And I think if I was designing a workout specifically for men, I might flip that and give them that extra lower body set and then balance out the guys' bodies too. And of course, this really is uh, was done on beginners. It's meant for beginners, although I am not a beginner. I've been lifting weights consistently since 2008, and this is actually working. I am getting, here's the big thing that happened. And this is kind of embarrassing how low my ability to do push-ups dropped. I had kind of, well, I wasn't training the way that I used to when everything shut down because of COVID. I was training at home and I do find that I train with more intensity and more focus when I'm at the gym than I do in my home gym, but you can still get results at home. Don't get me wrong. But my ability to do true full body chest to the floor push-ups, I had lost so many push-ups. I could only do three with really good form in a row. And I know I'm 57 and I know a lot of women can't even do one. So many of my clients really had to do their push-ups on their knees, but I had obtained the ability to do push-ups and I used to be able to do 15 in a row. So you can see how much that dropped. But in the last six weeks, since I've been doing this program, I have doubled my push-ups and now I can do six in a row with excellent form. And obviously my goal is to get that back up to 15. And I hope that by the end of the year, I can get back up to being able to do 15 push-ups in a row. So this is this understanding of this very simple program of one set to momentary muscle failure of just nine exercises done only one time each, that that has had such a marvelous effect on my strength, my energy, weight loss, and fat loss. So I do a bodyweight warmup first, then the resistance training, and then that's followed by my dance step practice, which is so much fun. I do shuffle and Charleston, and I do ballet steps, and I do my turns. And then that ends with a flexibility routine because that's very important to me. But I definitely am looking forward to building more strength, more balance, and flexibility over the next six weeks. And then, of course, I'll be sharing the results with you on this podcast. So the most important tip I want you to take away from this podcast is the idea that you will get excellent results by putting quality first when it comes to moving for fitness and weight loss and fat loss. 
So until next time, I want you to be well, train wisely, and always eat for yourself. Email me with any questions or ideas on future podcasts, Catherine at cardiofreedom.com.